The following message was preached at Redeemer Community Church. For more information about Redeemer, visit us online at www.redeemernc.org. Go to Deuteronomy, please, the fifth book in your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Good morning to you and Happy New Year to you. Deuteronomy means second law. This is Moses in his last days, a bit fed up with leading Israel. It's been a wearisome journey. He says, I'm going to give you this to you one more time. And then before you walk into the promised land, I want you to remember these things. And I'm not going to be with you. I'm not going to make it into the promised land myself. But you got to hear this one more time. Moses says within this book, God saved you. God sustained you the whole time. And now you must conquer the land for God. That's basically synopsis of the book of Deuteronomy. Tom Cochran said, life is a journey. I want to write it all night long. Well, I think in more it's like life is a story of a journey on a highway. And the journey of the spiritual life involves at least three things, a, a calling, a sustaining, and a conquering. There's probably more than that, but those are the three I'm going to focus on today, calling, sustaining, conquering. It does make a difference on what highway you're in because the destination is, makes all the difference in the world. But all of this before your journey reaches its final destination, you've got to think about these things. And I want us to do that today. I want you to see how Moses writes about this journey for Old Testament Israel almost 3,500 years ago. God called a nobody man, Abram, and his impossible offspring to take a journey of faith. You'll see how the journey of Israel is really, it really is much more like our spiritual journey if you're reading your Bible carefully, if you're a Christian, that is. But then I, I think about how you can see the journey is similar for the Christian church even, not just for Israel or for yourself, but for the Christian church and even specifically for Redeemer, if you can stop and think about it. So a little compare and contrast this morning, certainly some rejoicing and a little bit of challenging too as we begin the new year. Along the way, we're going to see how good God has been to call us, to sustain us and enable us to conquer. And that's what we were thinking about today. I'm going to define conquering for you in just a little bit. Deuteronomy 1, 6. The Lord our God said to us in Horeb. That's the place where Moses was commissioned. That's the burning bush place. Lord said, God said to us in Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbors in the Arabah. And then just skip over to verse 20, Moses said, You've come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up. Go. Take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Now, God would not be the last one to say, You've stayed long enough. Now, get out of here. And I'm thinking about right this moment about all those young men who graduated from college and they're still in their parents' basement, or heaven forbid, they're still in their old bedroom, and you want to just say, like, all right, this is enough. I love you, but you got to get out of here. You've got to move on your train. Go get your own apartment. I'm tired of cleaning your clothes. I'm tired of cooking for you. Get out. I think I know Zach and Ariel Angle well enough to know that now Ariel wouldn't do this, but I'm absolutely positive Zach was. Just pretend that they've taught their children how to swim, and now they're trying to teach them how to jump off the side of the pool or jump off the 
diving board. This is what Ariel would not do, but this is exactly what Zach do. Get in that pool. I'm afraid. And then Zach would go like this and just <laughs> kick them in. I know that for a fact. You've been standing on the, on the diving board long enough. Now get in that pool. It's a sad and common practice of people to be converted, to turn from death to life, and then a few years later to kind of stall out, to slow down and stagnate in their Christian life. I know this from my own personal experience. The same can be true for churches after seeing maybe some, some great growth and victories. Is this true for your life now? I have to ask that question this morning. Have you gotten... If you've forgotten, I should say, where you came from. I'm not talking about geography. I'm talking about spiritual geography here. Have you forgotten how good God has been to you this last year? Have you forgotten your mission on the journey? Have you, have you forgotten what you're here for? Did you feel closer to the Lord one year ago than you do now? Hope I get to ask that question one year from now. Same question. And are you guys, is anybody in here okay if Redeemer Church slows down and gets complacent? No. You'll say, you're, that's, that's not good enough. Okay, I hear you. Let's think about this. Where did we come from? God's calling. Where did Israel come from? Slavery. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's Deuteronomy 5, 6. Where do we come from? For Israel, they got called out of slavery, out of slavery to the dominion of the king of Egypt and certain death. For us, it was slavery, slavery to the dominion of Satan, sin, and death. Redeemers composed of people from all over the United States. Members drive here from Cary, Apex, Garner, Wake Forest, and Lillington. It's amazing what people were. They, they've come to Redeemer from India, from the Philippines, from Mexico, the Netherlands, Liverpool, even New Jersey. <laughs> they've come here. We all have this common, all of us in our, in our salvation. It's a salvation from slavery, no matter where you came from. We all were once all dead in trespasses and sins. We were all once enemies of God. We were all idol worshipers. But we were called by God. So when we're thinking about our calling and figuring out ways to rejoice about it. We ask, why does God choose to call someone anyway? Anyone that he calls. Why does he do that? For Israel, Moses reminded that their choosing was by God, but not for what you think it would be so. And that's good for us to remember too. For instance, look at this. For one thing, God didn't call Israel because of their size. It was not by size. Flip over to chapter 7, verse 6, real quick. Deuteronomy 7, 6. For you are people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you are the fewest of the peoples. It's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Size looks like success, but God chooses, if you've been reading your Bible, little things and little people and little starts to little redeemer churches. Here's something else. 
Moses reminds them, it's not by wealth and power. That's not why God chose. 8, chapter 8, verse 17. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as is this day. Why in the world would a God who owns everything anyway and who has all the power in the world ever, ever be actually impressed with the things that we have or the power that we have? That doesn't make sense in any case. God doesn't choose us for that either. Thirdly, it's not because of righteousness. Chapter 9, verse 4. Don't say in your heart, after the Lord your God has thrust them out of the land, it's because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. Whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out. No, 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 not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart. Are you going to to possess their land? But because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out from before you, that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you're a stubborn people. You and I did not initiate this journey. We didn't come to Christ out of our own will. We had nothing to offer God. God's salvation is all of his choice and all of his initiative. It's the grace of God that stimulates us to love him and serve him. I love the stories of salvation from Redeemer people. It is the joy of my life to read the testimonies or hear the testimonies of the people that come here. Children with simple faith. Teens with the first feelings of real guilt in their life. College students, when, when most college students are running away from God, we have college students here come to faith in Christ. Middle-aged, that's when you're supposed to be the most successful in life. God saved you then. And older people, when it just has to be too late to be saved when you're old. And yet they have come to Christ and they come here. This is... Oh my goodness, it's so wonderful. Jake Zilly is here. He was this big when the church started. He's about to become a father. Leah Gottlieb was this big. And she loves the Lord, serving the Lord. She's an engineer now. Little Lily Curry was this big. She's about to take organic chemistry from a world-famous professor <laughs> at NC State. They're walking with the Lord. They came to know the Lord here as little ones. God's doing great things. Listen to this. When God called Josh Redberg and a bunch of mostly 30-somethings, God called people who had nothing in themselves. What in the world was Josh Redberg thinking when he decided he would plant a church? What does Josh Redberg know anything about church planting? Nothing. But God did it and used him. And all those 30-somethings, could, could I just insult the 30-somethings as a 60-something person? The only, only people dumber than 30 people in their 30s are people in their 20s. <laughs> and most of, the, most of the first members, the people that planted this church were, were in their 30s, but they had faith. 
If you don't know what I'm talking about, wait till you get into your 40s and then you'll, oh yeah, Don was right about that. Another church in the Bible Belt of the South? A church in nobody, Fuquay, that had a total population at that time of about 10,000 people? No building, no property, no wealthy members? Redeemer Church started with a small bunch of sinners led by a couple of sinners and kept inviting sinners in, and here we are. What I see at Redeemer is a bunch of diverse lives responding to the grace of God by, by serving him freely and with really joyful hearts. The longer you meditate on where you came from and how much God loves you, and that's the reason why he chooses, and how he saved you by grace, the more you feel motivated to stay on the journey with God. How did we get here? How do you ever get there by God's sustaining? Israel is so unlikely. A childless old couple, God calls them to move, to journey. Israel's life is mostly actually about moving and traveling and journeying. How did Israel make it through such tough times and places? And the answer is God sustaining. Look at chapter 2. Go back to chapter 2, verse 7. For the Lord your God is blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Look at chapter 8 verse 3. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Move, moved at verse 18, uh, 15, Moses warned Israel to, to take, take care that you don't forget God who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. Who brought you water out of the flinty rock? Who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers didn't know that he might humble and test you to do you good in the end? Jesus, in praying to the Father, reported to the disciples that he'd given them his words and the Holy Spirit. The 66 books of the Bible and the indwelling of the Spirit are far more than anything Israel had. But he sustained them. Plus, a place prepared for us to be with Christ. We have the Spirit and we have the Word and a place in heaven. Along the life of a Redeemer, God has abundantly sustained us. Oh, my goodness. A nice, a really, really nice school building. Super cooperative church uh, school staff. You don't know how good Fuquay Middle School people have been to us. The Patterson's Farm, the Curry's Garage, the Romeo's Home, Revel Tractor's Meeting Room, Grace Community Church, Fellowship Bible Church, the Gathering Church, Wake Chapel Church, Fairview Baptist Church, Fuquay Baptist Church, all the host homes for the community groups and various dinners, the church office on Depot Street, a baptismal trough, homemade communion bread, which is the best in the world, goldfish for the children, toys, sound equipment. God has supplied elders and deacons and directors and Sunday school teachers and youth leaders and too many musicians. 
The gift of the Holy Spirit is visible and evident through the literal, literal blood, sweat, and tears offered here. The multiple hugs and prayers and home and hospital visits and endless meals and praying and all the money that you've given. Over these 15 years, we have tried to ignore the lies that Israel did believe. They were lies that sought to keep them from enjoying God's promises, to keep them from progressing to what, journeying onto what God had for them. They were lies that almost kept them stagnant and lethargic, weakened, passionless. If we're not careful on our journey, those same lies can pull us down, make us hesitate, keep us from growing, keep us from joy. But, but we won't let that happen. But listen to these lies. This, this is what happened here. In chapter 1, verse 27, Deuteronomy 127, here's what Moses said. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us. He's brought us out of the land of Egypt. You just stop for a moment, and that is utter lunacy. He delivered me from slavery because he doesn't love me. What? To give us into the land of the Amorites to destroy us. The lie is God doesn't love me. Or, well, God may love me because he has to, but he doesn't like me. The lie is God doesn't love me, and that's why he's taken something I love from me. Or something like, he has not given me something that I want really badly, and I, I think he should do that. The lie is, if I am suffering, it's a sure sign that God does not love me. We're not, we're not going to believe that lie. Israel did. Verse 28. Where are we going up? I know it's just a little question. Do you realize? I want you to read that carefully. What, what, Israel, what are you doing asking that question? Where are we going? God hasn't been clear? This is a lie that I cannot proceed until God tells me everything that lies ahead. I can't follow God until he tells me the how and when he will do things. But no one you guys ever approved by God in the Bible ever knew this. They were commended for faith when they did not know everything. You and I don't know all the when and the how, but we know where we are going and that he will stay with us, for the God of the Bible has told us this. And, that, and that's why we keep moving on the journey. We don't have to know everything. Here's, here's another one, verse 28 again. Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified to heaven. And besides, we've seen the sons of Anakin there. When I say to you, then I say to you, don't be afraid or dread them. The Lord your God who goes before you himself will fight for you, just as... He did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Here's one of the lies that I almost believe. This one here. Because as we've said before, I, along with many others, and especially Josh, and kept looking and kept looking and kept looking all over the place for land and a place or a building to take over, and it just wasn't working. And I remember distinctly hearing my voice, my voice say to me, I don't think we're ever going to have a building. And sooner or later, the public school system will say, like, no, you, you can't keep doing that. And we'll be gone. I, I almost believe that one. This is the lie that says my habits are too bad. My marriage is too far gone. My children are hopeless for God to change anything. It's the lie that says I'm too old, too dumb, too poor, too uneducated, too sinful 
to journey on with God and to enjoy his promises. Listen, you guys, when God gets small, your problems get bigger. When your problems get bigger, you're getting bigger, and God is getting smaller. Small God, big problems. Big God, small problems. The only, thing, the only God that, that, that is in the Bible is the big God. The God of the Bible is the one that overcomes all problems, all difficulties. So in 2024, we must go back to the Bible every day and remember how big God is. At the very least, on Sunday morning, and there will be 52 of them or so this year, you ought not to miss a single one of them. Because what happens here is God gets bigger. And for some strange reason, as the journey of the week goes on, he seems to tend to get smaller and smaller. Get back to your Bible. Don't believe those lies. Keep resisting them. Finally, lastly, what is our mission? God's conquering. God called Israel to be a holy nation. They were to be a light to the other nations. The foreign gods were to be removed. The only true God was the one that was to be exalted. Nations were to stream into Israel to know the true God. So some of the conquering of the land to make it holy actually had to be done by a sword, a literal sword. That's how wicked Canaan had become over the centuries. Israel's mission was to conquer by removing every image of the false gods and then to live to live out the image of the real God to the world. The image of God is, is still here, you guys. It's been damaged by sin and our own sin, but it's restored when people become true worshipers of the true God. That's when the image of God gets back into focus here. Now, that was the role. That was the, that was the mission of Israel, and I, I cannot say that Israel succeeded in its mission. Where once God described Israel, he now describes the church using Old Testament language. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that they may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2. Jesus said that we, the church, is the light of the world. The church of Jesus Christ has the mission of restoring the image of God that is lost in lost, idolatrous sinners. We used to be those. By converting them into true worshipers of God. Those who worship in spirit and in truth. And that's basically the message of the gospel. How do you know when the image of God is being restored in someone? Well, when they begin to look like the Lord Jesus Christ. Part of Israel's task in conquering was to tear down all those foreign uh, uh, false gods and to help people to understand what the image of God looks like. The church does not conquer by the sword, of course. I'm so glad about that. It conquers through the, word of, uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We proclaim the excellencies of the one who saved us. At Work and Redeemer Church, God conquers the rebel soul and transforms them into true worshipers. The gospel at work in your life or in the life of anyone that you know looks like conformity 
to the image of Christ. That's it. I got three things to remind you. Three things to remind you, right? Three things to not forget. Three things for the journey of 2024. Don't forget God's gracious calling to save you. Once again, that's why in song and in preaching and teaching, we keep going back to the gospel. You had nothing. You did nothing. It was God's sovereign choice. If you're saved, God has given you eternal life. You love God because he first loved you. When you stray from the love of God, the journey begins to stall out. Complacency starts. The passion grows cold. The faith weakens. Review your own Red Sea experience. Go back over and over again. I used to be a slave to sin and death in Egypt. God called me out and opened up the Red Sea. Here's what's so beautiful about the Red Sea. You've got at least two people, two kinds of people standing there in front of parted waters. First of all, if you can just get over the unbelievable sight of water coming apart. You got two people that are about to cross. Those that say, like, I don't think I have enough faith. I don't think I can do it. I am afraid. And then you have those that said, like, let's get going. They both crossed. The one with little faith and the one with great faith. God saved them. I don't know what you think about your faith now or even back then, but the point is, he said, I'm, I'm going to believe God as hard as it is or as easy as it is. I'm going to review what has God done for me in saving me and in saving people. Don't forget that. Secondly, don't forget God's gracious sustaining. You're here, by the way. If you hadn't noticed, you're here. Alive, reasonably well-fed, probably overfed. Healthy enough to walk in here. You're not homeless. God is sustaining you physically. You're a child of the king. You have all the rights of a firstborn son. That's, a, that's crazy. You know, if there's just a door that's marked in God, God right there, and God's on the other side of the door, you don't, you don't have to knock. You just walk in. 24-7, walk in the door. Don't you dare knock. You're a child of the king. That's your father. Why has he been good to us? You have the word of God, the Bible. You have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Apostle Peter said, God's divine power has granted to us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called you to his glory and excellence. There's no room in the life of the church or any of its members for complaining or discontent or complacency or worldliness. There's no room for that. Don't forget God's gracious sustaining. Review it when you get together in community groups, in D groups, in friend, just eating dinner, having coffee. Review the goodness of God. Lastly, don't forget God's mission. Don't forget why you're here. What are you going to do to conform more and more into the image of Jesus? Last year, some of you made resolutions, but you forgot to make a plan. You have got to be deliberate and intentional about following through on plans. Let me ask the question again. What are you going to do to conform more and more into the image of Jesus? What are you going to do? Think about it. Figure it out. Plan it out. It doesn't happen accidentally. 
What are you going to do this year to help anyone, everyone be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ? Who's your target list? I'm going to help them become more and more like Jesus Christ. I must do this. Some of those people are not saved, and you're going to conform them, help them conform to the image of Christ. Some of them are saved. Most of them probably will be. What are you going to do? What are we going to do in the new year to show the excellencies of our Savior to this community? So, Redeemer, remember where you came from. Review God's faithfulness along the journey and focus on the mission. And by the way, this seems like a really good day for you to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, to come down here, repent of your sins, and turn to Christ before the wheels of time turn into the new year. Some of you are not saved. Do that today. Let's pray. Thank you, Father in heaven, for calling us individually as believers because of your love. Thank you. Thank you for forming this church from kind of nothing and a lot of nobodies into this particular body. Help us to remember how kindly and graciously I would say, Lord, even generously you have sustained us. And Lord, my appeal to you this morning, as I often do, is to help us not to remember our mission, how it is that we do conquer as Christians in the Christian church. I'm asking for this grace, and certainly, Lord, that anyone who doesn't know you as Savior would find this to be the day of salvation. We pray in the name of the one who makes the whole thing possible, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Community Church in Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more sermons, we invite you to visit us online at RedeemerNC.org.